Hello, and thanks for listening to this podcast in association with Hastings Independent Press. My name is Damien Pastel, and I help people tell their stories through business. To find out more, please visit beyourbusiness.co.uk. Today I'm with Nikki Oloide. Nikki has had a very varied and wonderful career and life. <laughs> She's just been telling me about. Um, Nikki is half German, half Nigerian, um, originally from London. Uh, has worked in fashion, in as an au pair in France, in Euro Disney, at Nike's head office. She has also worked for BT in their marketing department all around Europe, has lived in multiple countries, and she now runs, found, founded and, and owns and runs Missy Mop Fabrics. Nikki, thank you very much for joining that, me that today. It all sounds very grand. It does. Well, it is grand. <laughs> what, a, what a story that is. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. We're, we're in Hastings. Yes. We're outside Hanushka's uh, coffee shop on, uh, on, I don't know what street Robertson's, this is. I'm still learning Rob- my way Robertson around. Robertson Road or, or street, street, but yeah. We were just talking about, about your journey and um, mm. maybe you could start us off by telling us a little bit about um, Missy Mop Fabrics. Yeah. Which right. You, which you Okay. Run. So, Missy Mop Fabrics is um, a business that I launched back in 2019 and I um, source dead stock dress fabrics. So, within the sewing community, the term dead stock is quite well understood, but for everybody else, it's uh, fabrics that are left over from the garment industry. So, maybe end of runs from textile mills, factory leftovers, or fabrics that have been rejected because they may be slightly faulty. Or also, I specialise in vintage fabrics and also fabrics that, um, if companies have gone out of business and they're no longer operating, I try and source fabrics from those sort of uh, organisations as well. Fantastic. So you're making use of fabrics which would have gone into la- would have gone into landfill would yeah. have gone into landfill yeah. really yeah. so that's criminal yeah. your fabrics are beautiful mm. i've had a Thank look you. on your website <laughs> and we you. were just sat here talking a minute ago yeah. and i said it was a shame that it didn't happen while we were recording but i'll mention it anyway <laughs> and somebody walked past and you said that's she's my wear- fabric she's wearing one of my fabrics yes <laughs> right on cue <laughs> yeah and it was lovely turquoisey I think that's green, actually. I think it was green and purple, but yes. Yeah, 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 but it was bright and (laughs) amazing. Yeah, I'm quite known for my bright, bold colours. As I say, I try and source fabrics from all sorts of different um, places, um, and I try and source fabrics that you can't get typically from other uh, fabric sellers as well. I, I just love the thrill of sourcing fabrics. It's a real hunt for me. Yeah. And. I, I'm, I think I'm quite good at sourcing fabrics that uh, other people probably wouldn't sort of give a second look to yeah. and then giving them a new lease of life. I get, I get a real kick actually when customers come in and um, they buy fabric from me that they typically wouldn't have bought 
you know either it might be just a little bit too bold for them or maybe technically it might be a little bit of a challenge for them so it's like a bit of a treasure hunt yeah it is as I said it really is I, I love it I absolutely love it and um, you know as you mentioned I've done all sorts of different roles in the past um, never really considered yeah. the whole I don't actually consider myself a creative person as well that's the irony of it. no I'm not I'm, I'm really not I mean takes, everybody I think thinks everybody creative. thinks I'm going to be a whiz behind the sewing machine but I'm not it doesn't come naturally I love it yeah. but it doesn't come naturally but I do really love sourcing fabrics and textiles and I've got a huge amount in my own personal stock not even taking into consideration my my business stock yeah um, you know whenever I've gone on holiday I don't feel like I've had a good holiday unless my suitcase has been stuffed uh, with, it with like fabrics a lot of fun. yeah it is it's really enjoyable because I love um, I, you know whenever I go away I love finding different things from that certain place whether it's I call it supporting the local craft, economy supporting the local economy <laughs> <laughs> and every piece, I don't know if you probably might agree, has a story. Yes, exactly. You know? And it's got its own character. Yes. So Do you sounds... have hoarding tendencies too then? I don't actually, <laughs> not really, no. I mean, I tend to just... I mean, I, my big thing is food, I guess. Yes, so I just tend yeah. to consume it and then it's gone. <laughs> No, I don't feel like I've had a good holiday unless I'm, I'm challenged with the luggage allowance. Yeah, no, yeah, sounds, sounds like a tricky situation. And, and when did you first, like, was this, um, this love of textiles, was that something that was evident early you know, on my, in your life? My, as you mentioned, my heritage is I'm half Nigerian and half German. So I grew up um, surrounded by... Um, Adiri, which is sort of a, a traditional Yoruba fabric. Um, it's a bit like it's a bit like batik or shibori. I don't know if any of that means anything to you. It's gone over anyway. my head, I'm <laughs> And dirndl dresses. Now, you know what a dirndl dress is. I don't. No, it's, the you tell me. it's the traditional dress of Germany. So, if you think of the beer killers in Munich for oh, okay. Oktoberfest, so well, can you think? My mum got great pleasure sending me a mixed race child in south london yeah. off to school in a deandor dress oh, yeah, so, that must have been so, and as much as i'm proud of being half german and my heritage yeah i still i still cringe when i see anything deandor related but anyway yeah so so, so i think yes yeah, so, so my mum's german and yeah. as I said, my dad was nigerian so I, again having those influences at quite a young yeah. age and i lived in nigeria for about six months when i was quite young too i think all subconsciously you know contributed to this love of fabrics and then working in fashion um i worked for quite high-end brands like Karl lagerfeld and Yves Saint Laurent, even my first Saturday job was um, working for Laura Ashley. And was that intentional, seeking that out? I think I always quite liked the idea of fashion, um, but as I said, I don't actually consider myself being particularly creative. I'm not really a good maker. Yeah. I probably don't have the right amount of patience yeah. to be that creative. Um, but I've always enjoyed sourcing. Uh, and not just fabrics, anything. I, I like the challenge of looking for something. Um, and um, I, yeah, as I, as I said, it sort of came, it became more apparent that this was something that I could maybe turn into a new career 
once I started taking these sewing classes and you know my fellow students started asking me where I was getting my fabrics from. Right, and you saw uh, that there was a demand for it. Yeah, and then I was encouraged by one of my um, suppliers to give it a go as well because I think he he said to me, you clearly love it, why don't you try it? And um, I think I just lived in the right town as well. I don't know if I could have done this living in in London. Yeah. I think, you know, this town embraces entrepreneurism here. Yeah. Uh, people, there's a lot of people who move here who are sort of 40 plus who want to reinvent themselves. Yeah. And, you know, they want to support local. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, want to support people coming in who want to try something because there's obviously a risk associated with it yeah so um so yeah you said before didn't we that hastings the tagline for hastings could be a town to reinvent yourself <laughs> yeah i think you said it more than me yeah i'll let you take credit on that one <laughs> i don't know i think it's a collaboration but um but yeah it is i mean i mean i'm starting my new business which is yeah you know helping other people with their businesses mm, which mm. is my passion yeah. and i did feel that hastings does have that energy of a place where you can come and do that and yeah, other people exactly. are embracing yeah. that yes because yeah. it is um slightly cheaper i guess yes and there's yes. that environment in uh, this town that there isn't maybe it's a, a very supportive London. environment as well because i um, have found i haven't been in the position where i can afford of a full-time premises so I've started my business through and it's also enabled me to test the water to see if there's any mileage in it but selling yeah. through through pop-up shops and I've had a lot of support locally where people have allowed me to use their premises you know at very very competitive rates yeah. to just give me that sort of you know helping hand to see if there's something in it you so know and I really to... don't think I could have done that in London I just don't no. think that goodwill would have been there no yeah. so you've been able to test the market yeah. through these pop-ups yes and what is a pop-up pop is... well it's a temporary you know sometimes you see a shop for example that's empty sometimes you can make an arrangement with the landlord and you can it can be anything from one day to you know several months on an ongoing flexible arrangement yeah and I think even the councils are beginning to be a bit more open about this approach and it might be the way that um, you know the high street can reinvent itself at well, some I point think so, yeah. because I yeah. think that's a really good point because yeah. there's so many empty shops which nobody mm. likes to see and it's mm. not good for mm. the for the for the towns yeah and there's you know people are out of work because mm. we've been through a tricky period and you know it's an opportunity for to give people a chance to use that space to to try something new yeah um, exactly which is what you've had the chance to and do it refreshes the high street as well because because yeah. they're in theory temporary you get a new you the, the high street new. face will keep changing you I know that's so really yeah. really good point yeah. actually so. and also it's it gives each town a different identity because yes we you know, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same as me, which is they don't really like seeing the same shops and the same, yeah, most exactly. identical high street in yes. a lot of our yeah. towns across yes. the country. Yes. I think things are changing in that way. I think so too. I think, and we have a very creative town. We're in a very creative we do. town. We do. There are lots of makers here, um, you know, 
uh, there's lots of costume designers, people making fashion, you know, fashion designers, lots of students. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, we live in a, a, as I say, a town that embraces creativity as well as you know, people that are willing to take the risk to try something new in terms of a new business venture. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. And um, you, you, you moved from London. You were in London originally, and you moved down to Hastings. Can you tell tell me a little bit about the journey you took from um, through France, and then and then working <laughs> at those different yeah, companies, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and maybe what that. Uh, yeah, how I'm, that helped you and what, what part of you that was about? Yeah, I, like I was saying to you earlier on, I'm probably quite a rootless person. <laughs> I find it very easy to sort of go to new places. The only thing that hold, holds me back is I accumulate a lot of stuff in the, in the interim. But, yeah, uh, so you need someone to keep yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I um, in my early 20s, I... I guess it's always been a dream of mine to live in France. I did a school exchange when I was something like 12 years old and fell in love with France and always wanted to, to go and live there. And I, after, after college, I worked, as I say, for the um, fashion companies and I soon realised it was not something that I really wanted to pursue longer term. And I thought, if I don't move to France now, I'm never going to do it. So I um, worked for six weeks as an au pair yeah. and then I joined Euro Disney yeah. and I worked there for several months, uh, well more than several months, I think it was over a year in the end. Um, not really a fan of Disney, never have been, um, but it was one of the best jobs that I've had because I just met so many different people from different backgrounds and different nationalities. It was a real hub for young people who wanted yeah. to go and live in France and I'm in touch with a lot of those people still, yeah. very handy for holidays. Um, and then I eventually left there and I worked for Nike in their head office, still in France and after that funnily enough i joined bt british telecom in france and did you enjoy um well, i'm a complete luddite to be honest so it was right. not really a natural fit um, what about working at nike nike was it was only a short period it was only for about five six months i was covering maternity leave and i um, was working just as a a receptionist in the in their head office um, trying to improve my French, you know, yeah. uh, gave lots of entertainment to the staff there because I used to have to use a tannoy as well. Right, okay. So, <laughs> um, so I was only there for about five or six months and then, as I say, I then joined BT and landed up staying there for over 20 years. Over 20 years, yeah. wow. Yeah, as I said, it was... It was quite a varied experience though because, as I said, I joined them in France and then I moved to the Netherlands with them. Then I moved back to London and in all that time I also was part of the US team, even though I wasn't yeah. uh, located over there. So a lot of travelling to the US, a lot of travelling full stop actually. Did you um, enjoy the travelling or was it a bit comfortable? Do you know, expensive? after a while, you. I, I really didn't enjoy it. You, you sort don't of, get time to see the places, You don't get. To, do I've been, for example, I've been to Edinburgh Airport. I think ten or eleven times. I was saying to somebody at the weekend, but I've never been to Edinburgh. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's quite yeah, sad. Yeah. Actually. Um, and 
although I got to see quite a few places through work, it's not the same as when you're travelling for leisure. And I love travelling, so I did a lot of it travel. It sounds glamorous, doesn't it? It sounds glamorous, but after a while you sort of crave, you know, beans on toast or something. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, you know, so... Uh, yeah, beans on toast. So, and and actually, funnily enough, when I was living in Amsterdam, when I left, um, some, some of my neighbours thought I was an air hostess because I used to travel so much. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. first first flight out and then uh, last one back. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. yeah. I remember that flying out, yeah. like, leaving home at yeah. four in the morning, getting it's out of the dark midnight. and coming back and it's dark. Yeah, yeah. not fun. Yeah, yeah. And we found out that we were at BT at the same yeah, time. Yeah, funnily enough. <laughs> Maybe in the same yeah, office. Yeah. Maybe in. Well, we in were the definitely same, in the same office the same at the same project. time. But we were I don't, in the same office, I don't yeah. know if we were on the same floor so um yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah i wasn't there as long as you i was there for three years i think in, in total yeah i did my graduate school. oh you're part of the graduate i was a graduate yeah. and then i yeah and then i worked in marketing there yeah um it's yeah. very weird considering we both worked in marketing it's so weird not, yeah. isn't it you do yeah. actually look familiar so uh -huh. <laughs> We did. Maybe we'll find out. I was out. one of the good people, one of the helpful oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the few. <laughs> yeah, no, me and you both. Yeah. Fighting a losing battle there. Um, okay, and then, and then, so that, it sounds like a good, it worked for you for a time, BT. Yeah, it did. I mean, it was, as I said, it allowed me to travel and live in different places. It got me here to Hastings. Yeah. You know, now during COVID, everybody's now getting used to the idea of home working. Yeah. BT was embracing home working, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Yeah, they were. Um, so, you know, it's for a lot of people, it's a novelty, but, you know, I spent most of my career being a remote worker yeah. for BT. So, um, yeah. And what were you doing for BT? Were you managing projects? I was mostly in marketing. Well, actually, always in marketing, campaigns. but just in campaigns, channel marketing, uh, Marcoms, Marcoms, the whole, yeah. the whole gambit, really. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So, you're product marketing. so you're now using that in your in your business. Well, despite working in that whole sort of telecoms IT area, I'm a real luddite. And <laughs> my friends would tell you I was probably one of the last people to get a smartphone. Oh, and too, I, d I, I don't really embrace technology, funnily enough, and no. maybe even more so since I've, I've left that area. Um, it's funny, I, when you work for a big company, you might work in an area such as marketing, but there's so many people in a large company that you do end up doing such a finite job such a yeah, niche, yeah. niche role that yeah. it doesn't it's not always transferable into, no, the, into no. working for yourself well and also you know the whole social media thing i um you know i only signed up to facebook i think in 2019 or 2020 and the same with instagram yeah. purely just for my business i'm not really interested in it otherwise I think, yeah no yeah. i mean yeah. i think it's good for for business it's imperative for business now you it, have it to. is it's essential yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah personally yeah. I, I don't I'm no. not really a big fan of it personally yeah. as much. <laughs> and then and then what happened after BT? Moved I was here and then I as I said earlier on, you know, I didn't do anything for a while. I took time out and tried to sort of work out what I wanted to do next. Um, I knew I didn't want to work for a big organisation and wanted to try and do something for myself and that's yeah. when the whole sort of um, idea for Missy Mop Fabrics um, came about 
and um, yeah, I just started with a few rolls of, of fabric. Yeah. And as I said, started testing the water to see if there was any sort of demand for it in the town. And I think there is. I mean, it's still quite early days for me, and COVID has obviously, you know, thrown a spanner in the works. Yeah. Um, but I think there, the whole there has been a whole sort of resurgence in um, home sewing in the last few years. You know, yes, there's the program, the has, Great British Sewing Bee. People are turning their backs on first fast fashion more now. I think they understand much more. You know, the the social cost, the environmental cost. Uh, you know. Of, I can't provide you with all the statistics. statistics. Um, they're readily available online, but you know the pollution that the textile industry creates is just it's one of the biggest pollutants. Yeah, it is. It's hor horrendous, and I see so much fabric that is potentially going to landfill now. As when I started doing this, I wasn't on a big mission, a sustainability mission. Yeah. You know, I was just sourcing what I thought were beautiful fabrics. But the more that I see now, I just think it's criminal not to use yeah. these dead stock fabrics. And I think um, more and more people have the same feeling about that. We shouldn't be encouraging new production really when there is so much fabric readily available. And even some of the um, fashion houses are now, you know, there's been a lot in the news, I think, with companies like Gucci and that that are no longer going to be dictated um, providing you know a set number of collections per year yeah. and within that sort of fashion community as well they're looking to um, reuse stock even yeah. if it means you know sharing the stock yeah. um, so you know I think there are real changes yeah, um, and I think it's always a good sign for a business if it feels feels a niche like that Obviously, you're energetically uh, created it, um, and it's right for you because you're very passionate about it. I do love it. I really I do love that. it. Yeah, yeah, I really do love it. it. I really want it to work. So I'm sure yeah, it will. Yeah, if you have yeah. the energy for it, then I'm, I have no doubt. I remember seeing a documentary, if you're going off again on one, but I remember seeing, a, I think, a programme with, I think it was Joan Bakewell. You know, they had those TV programmes, uh, Grumpy Old Men, and yeah. they did one or two for Grumpy Old Women. And they said um, to her, what would you tell your younger self now? And she said, oh, you should just pursue something that you really, really love. Yeah. Because if you really, really love something, you're prepared to put the work, time and energy into it. It's not a hardship to do that. And then if you do that, you inevitably become good at it. Yeah. And so you can make something of it, yeah. and you know, I I really can see that now. Yeah. I really I really can, you know. I kind of wish I'd done this years ago, but at the same time, um, I maybe the timing wouldn't have been right because, as I said, there's real momentum now behind home yeah. sewing, and there wasn't a few years ago because everybody was just consuming and consuming, you know, with no, it, big it brands feel like Primark. Yeah, it is the right the time. time. Yeah. And it is interesting yeah. that you started in fashion mm. and you went all the way around and then you've come back to it so I yeah. think it's definitely the right decision for yeah. you and, yeah. and it does feel like Funnily enough, the right I'm, time. I am, I am interested in fashion but I think 
I'm more interested, and I think lots of people are like this now. Fashion, term fashion is becoming a bit more redundant. Yeah. People just want to wear what they like yeah. and genuinely underline the word like. Yeah. If they like something, it doesn't matter if, you know, it's not on trend anymore. Yeah. You know, I think that has really, really changed. Yeah, they know. just want to express themselves yeah, through their clothes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. there's a lot of... Um, uh, younger kind of, I think, millennials who are buying secondhand stuff. I, so I think I think it's even the generation really. after the millennials. To be yeah. honest, now I might get you know slammed down for saying this by the millennials, but I think it's the Greta Thunberg generation, those that are under the age of twenty. That Gen are, Z, I think. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're even more conscious yeah. of the environment, and a lot of my customers of that age. Um, you know they're looking for zero waste sewing patterns and things where there's no waste whatsoever yeah so your so. passion is really for the textiles themselves the colors the stories that they tell and also the sustainability element of it yeah i mean i've always been a little bit nervous about harping on about this as i say it wasn't it wasn't the primary motivator when i started out this yeah. way and i have to say you know you know being honest i can't track the journey of all my fabrics uh, but I know and also the other thing is they you know I don't just sell or source natural fabrics I do sell uh, you know man-made fabrics at all so you know arguably that's not sustainable yeah although it's are, already there you yeah are, you know otherwise fabrics that would have otherwise gone, gone to landfill, landfill. yeah and, exactly um, I think that's, yeah. that's good enough yeah. really and if they're if At the end of the day, it's only me, you know, to doing this. You know, I'm, I'm a one-woman business and, you know, I can't track everything. Yeah. But I can try and do my bit. And as I said, I'm, I'm on, you know, to use corporate jargon, I'm on my lear learning curve, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Remember that one? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Somebody um, on the podcast I did this morning, they mentioned uh, an acronym from BT, which really? I've forgotten about, JFDI. Do you remember that one? JFDI. Just effing do it. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were going to say something like low-hanging fruit oh, or, the low -hanging or, or, fruit. or clear blue yeah, water. All those cliches. <laughs> yes, yes. But no, what yes, I was going to say. that was a good one. Yeah. yeah, about your business is it seems primed and very much in the right position when the trend is going in the right way, and you know you're filling a need. You're creating a business which is giving people something they love and at the same time solving a problem which yeah, i think I is so. some yeah. of the most intelligent businesses yeah. and social enterprises actually <laughs> it's, it's yeah. almost a social enterprise yeah. in that yeah. aspect yeah um so yeah i think it's very it's fascinating and, and wonderful to speak to yeah, you yeah thank you very much is there anything else you'd like to say about um, No, about just come and, ha come and have a look at my um, website, missymop.co.uk. Missymop.co.uk. Uh, yeah, Missy Mop is the name my mum used to call me when yes. I was a child because of my hair. Really? Yeah, oh, I mean, I, today it's straight, but it's it's really, really curly, obviously. That's a lovely <laughs> name. I like that a lot. I hated it at the time, but, you know, they say turn turn something negative into a positive. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's a great name. I really like so, it. Actually. So, yeah. So, and, you know, I will promote on my Instagram account and Facebook account when I'm able to get a new pop-up in the town. So, you know. Yeah, people keep up, a pop-up before. Yeah, you people keep asking me. You know, again, fabric one. is something people love to touch and feel, and that's part of the whole fun of making something, you know. Yeah, it's a tactile thing, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> people like to see. Yeah. Um, 
So I'd like to ask you if you've got any advice for anybody who is considering starting their own business. Well, I think it's similar to the whole Joan Bakewell thing, you know, pursue something that you really love. You know, I used to feel sick on a Sunday afternoon. Going into work yeah, on Monday. Yeah, knowing that I'd have work yeah, the next day. I never feel that way now because I'm doing something I really love. In fact, I have to try and stop myself from working because I've sort of neglected friends and, and all of that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, that just too much to do when you're doing something on your own. But I think, you know, that is the advice. Try and pursue something you really love, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice, great advice. <laughs> Nikki Oloidi. Oloidi. Oloidi from Missy Mop yeah, Fabrics. Yeah. Thanks very much for joining me. My pleasure. <laughs> I hope that lovely, was okay. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast brought to you by Be Your Business in association with Hastings Independent Press. 